Welcome to this uh, Bloodbot Ministry podcast. I'm Bishop Michael Berger, and we are going to be in the book, the Gospel of John, chapter 4, verses 5 through 29. Now, please understand that I have my own personal rendition of Scripture, but it helps me, and I hope it helps you. You've got to put fire and life into your reading of the scriptures. You've got to use your imagination and live it. Don't just sit there and read it like it's a newspaper. It is someone. It's not something. So it says here in verse 5, it says, On the way he came to the Samaritan town called Sychar, near the land that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Verse 6, Jacob's well is there. And Jesus tried, and Jesus tired by the journey, sat straight down by the well. It was about the sixth hour. Now, can you imagine this? God being tired. Can you imagine anyone loving you so much that he wants to feel what you feel? Before redemption, we might have said to God, have you ever been persecuted and hated and treated unjustly when you didn't know where to go or where to turn. But now we have a glorious God who knows. He knows what it is to be lonely, to be rejected, to be tired. I appreciate that because when we rise up, And when we go to bed, tired, we appreciate the fact that Jesus knows that we are that way, that he can feel it. So when we're most tired, we should think of him. And untie our fatigue with him. Tie it with him. Unite it with him. And somehow... There will be enough strength for another hour, for another day, no matter what you're going through. So here, it is the sixth hour, and the Samaritan woman came to draw water. Now, no decent woman drew water at noontime. At that time, she was ostracized by the women of the village. So, she came... And there was no one around when there was no one around. Imagine her tiredness. In verse 4, 7, Jesus says to her, give me a drink. Now that was a no-no. No Jew asked a Samaritan for anything. But Jesus was free. And he said, give me a drink. And the woman did exactly what we do to God. She questioned him. We have the impression that if God knew us, he he would not love us sometimes. Remember, when we think about ourselves, we sometimes think that. And that's sick. Let me burst your bubble. Not only does he know what what you've done, he knows what you might have done. And he still loves you. Now, the Samaritan woman said to him in verse 9, he says what? You are a Jew and you ask me, a Samaritan, for a drink? 
You see, Jews then did not associate with Samaritans. So Jesus replies to her in verse nine, in verse 10. He replies to her, he says, If you only knew what God is offering and who it is that is saving, is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have been, you would have been the one to ask and he would have given you living water. And what does she do? Just what you and I would do in verse 11. You have no bucket, sir, she answered. You don't have to have a bucket. God just gave her words of eternal life. And she says, you don't have a bucket. And we do the same thing. We say to God, look at what I did 20 years ago. You couldn't love me. Then she tries to... To educate him, he tries, she tries to educate Jesus. She says to him in, in verse 11, she says, The well is deep. How could you get this living water? And in the next verse, he, it says, Are you a greater man than our father Jacob, who gave us this well and drank from it himself? Let me turn my Bible page here. With his sons and his cattle. That's what he says in 12. In 13, she's trying to talk to God out of his love. See, in 13, it says this. Jesus replied, whoever drinks this water will get thirsty again. But anyone who drinks the water that I shall give will never be thirsty again. He goes on in 14 to say, the water that I shall give will turn into a spring inside him, welling up to eternal life. You know what she says? Lay it on me, Lord, she says. Sir, this is in 15 now. Give me some of that water so that I may never get thirsty and never have to come here again to draw water. See, she was probably thinking about all those gossipy women staring at her from their tents every time she went to the well. That's what we tell God. We say to God, if you love me, then you will give me all these good things. But the good things in life are those that are sometimes the most painful because they mold and shape and transform us. We'll dive right back into that um message that we we're just talking about. I just want to give you the opportunity to know that Blood Bob Ministry is live on Facebook. It is live on Facebook um, Monday through Friday. Um, check Facebook uh, or our website at www.bloodboughttvministry.com for the times. Um, and then for the different shows that we have, we have the Rosary in the morning. We have in the afternoon, we have Bloodbot Live, which is our, our live talk show. We have Midnight Devotions at 12 a.m. We also have um, both of our services from our church, which is on Sunday mornings and our Wednesday night Bible study. 
And we also have, on Thursdays, we have The Imitation of Christ to Mary, which is a great study into the um, life of Christ and the life of his mother and how we can become more Christ-like through their examples. So I just wanted to take this moment to um, tell you about that as we go back into the word about the woman at the well. We're calling it at the well because not only was the woman at the well, so were you in God's thoughts because everything he did, he did to teach those people he met then and to teach those people that that he was going to meet in the future because he knew that these incidents in his life, that that these appointments were going to be um, marked down for us to read, for us to understand, and for our learning experiences. So let's go and get back into the word at the well. The Lord says in verse 16, he says, go and call your husband and come back here. Ah, here comes the truth. The woman answered to him, I have no husband. He said to her, you are right to say, I have no husband in 417. For although you have had five and the one you have now is not your husband, you spoke the truth there in verse 18. You know, I can see Jesus here I can see him with a little smile and I think he had one here I just don't believe that he didn't smile from time to time there's no way that he could live with Peter and not laugh let's go to verse uh, 19 and 20 I see you are a prophet sir said the woman In verse 20, it says, Our father worshipped on this mountain. What has that to do with anything? You see, the God-man has read her soul. And what has she done? Changed the subject. What happens to you when something comes along that draws out the worst in you? You blame everybody. You blame the economy, circumstances, You just get away from yourself. Then you don't have to carry the cross. You don't have to imitate the passion. You just blame it on everybody else and go your way. So this woman changed the subject. She says in verse 20, Our fathers worshipped on this mountain. Well, you say that Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. But he didn't say that. He said, you have five husbands and one is not your own. She is the great hedger. But Jesus goes along with her. In verse 21, Jesus said, believe me, woman, the hour is coming when you will worship the father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know. For salvation comes from the Jews, 422. But the hour will come. In fact, it is here already. This is 23. 
when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. That is the kind of worshiper that the Father wants. Verse 24 says, God is spirit, and those who worship must worship in spirit and truth. But see, she still will not admit what she is. Because the woman says to him, I know that Messiah, this is in verse 25, I know that Messiah, that is Christ, is coming, and when he comes, he will tell us everything. Do you see what she's doing? She'll not admit what is wrong with her. She is negating the necessity of humility, of pain, of truth. She can't take a look at herself. So Jesus says to her in verse 25, I who am speaking to you, I am he. That's verse 26, I mean. Imagine the healing that must have gone on in that woman's soul. The one Messiah that the prophet spoke of and promised is speaking to a sinner and asking for love. You know, he still asks us for love, for yours and mine. He's trying to shape and mold you to the battles all about us. The internal and the external. See, we need Jesus. And he says to you and me, I am he. Now, it goes on to say in the scriptures that at this point his disciples returned and were surprised to find him speaking to a woman though none of them asked what do you want from her or why or why are you talking to her that's verse 27 see I think they were too chicken to ask about is what I think now look what happens to this woman the woman put down her water jar and hurried back to the town to tell the people verse 28 says and what did she tell the people in verse 29 it says come and see a man who has told me everything I ever did I wonder if he is the Christ see she began to see clearly all the things in her life that were opposed to Christ she compared herself not to the other women in the village but to Jesus the light of Jesus made her understand who and what she was. And there was no fear in admitting it. See the people started coming out of the town. And they started walking toward her. And meanwhile the apostles came back. And they were troubling. And they were troubled. And they were urging him. Now this is this is um, chapter. I mean verse 32 of chapter 4. Rabbi do you have something to eat? But he said, I have food to eat that you do not know about, in verse 32. Then he went on to tell them the very thing I want you to remember this week. I want you to remember this this week. He says this in 34. My food is to do the will of the one who sent me and to complete this work. You see, our, our food is to do God's will each day, each moment. To look at ourselves with humility and say, there is nothing in me that is of any value. I am a sinner. I have to struggle and fight to be good. And every morning I begin and again every evening, I have to ask forgiveness for all the failings of my day. 
See, you never go anywhere without him. He suffers when you suffer. He delights when you delight. I never see a crowd that my heart does not go out to tell them how much he loves us. I never look at an adulterer or a blasphemer when I don't think I wish they knew the love of Jesus. Be childlike with God. Have compassion for his pain. For your brother and yourself. Have the love of the Spirit in your heart because God lives in you and loves you. And you must give that love to others. Hello, let's talk about our needs for a moment. God knows you have needs and he knows you there are there are needs that you have and that you're going that you're dealing with. And I believe at this moment that the best thing to do is to go to prayer. Praying to God will help you. Praying to God in the moment will help you. So we're going to pray for today's needs, the needs that you're going through today. And then we're going to pray that Christ is brought into your day, into your day. Very important, because that's what I believe we need to pray about today. Christ was brought into the woman at the well's day. And things changed. Let us allow him to come into our life. So let's pray. Lord, for tomorrow and its needs, I do not pray. Keep me, my God, from stain of sin just for today. Let me both diligently work and duly pray. Let me be kind in word and deed. Let me be slow to do my will, prompt to obey yours. Help me to mortify my flesh just as is needed. Let me know wrong or idle word unthinking say set a seal upon my lips let me in season Lord be grave in season be happy let me be faithful to your grace and if today my tide of life should ebb away give me your heart divine sweet Lord today so for tomorrow and its needs I do not pray at this moment, for I shall pray again to you tomorrow for the same things. But keep me, guide me, love me, Lord Jesus. Please do that in my day today. Amen. And now let's pray to bring Christ into our day. Allow Christ to be a part of our day. Lord Jesus, present before us help us to cast out from our mind all the thoughts of which you do not approve and from our heart all the emotions which you do not encourage enable us to spend our entire day as co-worker with you carrying out the tasks that you have entrusted to us 
be with us at every moment of this day, during the long hours of work, that we may never tire of slacken or slacken from your service during our conversations, that they may not become for us occasions for meaning meaningless gossip or meanness towards others during the moments of worry and stress that we may remain patient and spiritually calm during periods of fatigue and illness that we may avoid self-pity and think of others during times of temptation that we may take refuge in your grace help us to remain generous and loyal to you this day and so be able to offer it all up to you with its successes, which we have achieved by your help, and its failures, which have occurred through our own fault. Let us come to the wonderful realization that life is most real when it is lived with you as the great guest of our soul. Amen. Praise and adoration evermore be giving to your most holy heart, Lord. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the whole church prayed, each one of us prayed, and said, Amen.